Am I am I sat in an annoying place because you two can't see each other? It's going to be like conversation tennis. It doesn't matter because he doesn't listen anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are just background noise on my podcast. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Publish, Perish or Podcast, your opportunity to look behind the scenes of science to see if science can roll its tongue. I'm Andy Stapleton and joining me today are Cameron Shearer. Hello. And Christopher Gibson. G'day from Falcon. And also in the room is Reggie. Hello, Reggie. Hi, Reg. Hello, Reg. Reggie is Cameron's dog. Uh, so if you hear barking, that's him. Yep. Mm. Or just general scratching. Or gen- yeah, no, that's, that's correct. That could be me. <laughs> It could be me. It could be me. So, show me. Can you roll your tongue? Good. Mm. Oh, you both can. That's boring. Well, I can't. Does it mean you can't? No, no. I can't. That as is well. genetically inherited, though, isn't yeah, it? Some yeah. people can't actually do it. Yeah. Can yeah. you do the other one where you put it to the side? Oh, uh. no. That's disgusting. Uh, you can do both ways. I can't do that. Yeah. God. The gay community's missed out, haven't they? <laughs> what? <laughs> Good. I've got a strong tongue. You do have a very strong tongue. <laughs> Um, science. Can science roll its tongue? Um, well, <laughs> I guess, yes, it would. Yes, it would. Why? science can do anything. Science can do anything. With enough uh, rational research and time, science can accomplish anything. If science couldn't do it, yep. it could genetically engineer itself to do it. Okay. That's good, Cameron. Uh, that sounded pretty good to me. I mean, why, why wouldn't science be able to roll its tongue? Of course it can. Science is great. What else can science do? What other like party tricks? Pretty well anything. Science can do anything, even things that are magical. Actually, that's interesting. Who's got? Have you got a party trick, Karen? Well, I was going to say, I reckon science can do a backflip. Oh, uh, shit. No, I can't. Oh, okay. I was going to say, <laughs> do it, do it. <laughs> no. What was the question again? Party tricks. You do, that oh. one. you do that one where you light your chest on fire. <laughs> I light my chest on fire. Yeah. I haven't been to that That's party. why I've got no hair on my chest. <laughs> <laughs> I have to start lighting hair on other parts of my body now. <laughs> Actually, I was watching this thing, this Japanese documentary, and it was about um, the culture in Japan and that when you all go out drinking in an office, yep. you... Uh, what stays? What what happens on the night out stays on the night out. I heard this, yeah. And they went to this one part office function, and people were wrecked, like absolutely wrecked. And there's a there was a tradition in I don't know whether it was in this office or elsewhere, but it was called jungle fire, where someone in the office Ooh. lights their pubes from <laughs> their from their private part. It's normally a bloke, yeah, from his willy. Lights them next to the boss's head <laughs> while everyone sh- shouts, Jungle fire, jungle fire. <laughs> that that is amazing. And then I, the next day. I can't see that taking <laughs> off in Australia. And the next day, everyone's got to pretend it didn't happen. Because yeah, yeah. you don't imagine, I mean, because Japanese society from the outside seems like. A little bit staged, shall we yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. But it's nice to know that when they let loose, <laughs> they really let loose. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. Oh, my little monkey funky bunties. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Hello. That Hello. Was, that was joyful. Guess what time it is? News time. No. You're, you're hosting the show. Thank Andy. you. you tell Thank us, you, Cameron. You tell us what's next. It's news time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who wants to go first? I've got too much news as usual, so I'll have to go last. Okay, too camera much on. News. And plus, I'm the one who, who says the score for the Cameron Shearer rubbish <laughs> science competition. Oh, you got a surprise for me, do you? <laughs> oh. It's interesting. interesting All right, I've week. got uh, two quick bits of news this yep. week. Uh, on Monday, I leave to go to Melbourne uh, to visit a synchrotron. <gasps> Not again. Synchrotron noise. Psh, <laughs> 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 And so, hopefully, this one doesn't get cancelled oh, as yeah, I right, fly yeah. up. Because your Japanese yeah. trip, yeah, got cancelled the day of leaving. Yeah, get, um, ha- yeah having a flight cancelled in Melbourne is not as not as traumatic, I suppose, no. as going to Japan. And how long are you going for, Cameron? So it's Monday to Monday, so seven days. And I'll during that for. time, so I've heard people go, and you get access twenty four hours to the machine, which yep. means you do twelve hour shifts with people, yep. right? Yep, yep. Well, so we're going to be four of us. Okay, uh, and then we'll. Two on at a time. The thing around. I don't know what we'll do actually. Name, okay. name and shame the group you're with. Who's who's going with you, Cameron? Well, so I'm actually going with my two supervisors. Oh, that's gonna suck ass. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's going to be the worst way to Since spend. I still work at Flinders, um, I'm going to say, that sounds like a lot of fun. That's going to be so rubbish. Uh, and a PhD student, Lee Pink. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lee, Lee Pink switched and on. And so uh, they pay for our accommodation. Oh, good. Uh, and so the two supervisors have their own room. Oh, that's that's good. All right. You get to share with Lee Ping. And I share with Lee Ping. Okay. Uh, well, that, that's better than seeing your supervisor in the morning with like his... Yeah. Hearing jungle, his morning jungle fire. Shit. Jungle yeah. fire. Yeah. Is there going to be any jungle fire during the week? <laughs> I want to see some photos when you get Although, when you, go, you when you go to the Japanese Synchrotron, you've got a culturally appropriate... <laughs> Well, that's great. If we? these results go well, I mean, who knows how I'll celebrate. <laughs> See, now the thought's in your head. This is the danger now. This is the danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because once too much alcohol is consumed, fire and pubes will emerge. <laughs> oh, that's going to anyway, be Well, brilliant. good luck firing photons at your samples, Cameron. Thank you. High energy photons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a bit worried about how hard I'm going to have to work and uh, how well I prepare my samples, but I'll all know at the end of the week. Perfect. Cool. Good. Cool. Uh, my second bit of news is that I was asked to review an article <gasps> for the Journal of Luminescence. Impact Ooh. Factor? 2.7. Okay. Published by Elsevier. Yeah. So, a real journal, 2.7 impact factor is... That's good. It's okay. well, look, to be it's honest, okay. I'd be very happy with it. Uh, okay. yeah. <laughs> well, I'd say, I'd say meh. Yeah, okay. Uh, to that impact factor. I'd take that. I'd take 2.7 impact factor, no problem. Uh, and so, when I first kind of you know you do your quick flick through of the paper i kind of mm-hmm, was thinking mm-hmm. oh yeah it's all right yeah. and then i had a look at the introduction and within the introduction they cite me five times Ooh, Ooh, Ooh time already ex- winning time to accept that one <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it the one i'm on as well no <laughs> all right no i don't accept it mate it's all the papers than that oh, am i on any so- of them as well no, I don't think you are. So not only yeah, was I were they, was I cited five times, but I got multiple Shira et al's. Oh, so nice! It's unmistakable. That's sweet. That's sweet. However, mm. looking through the paper, I thought, okay, this is this is okay, but it's not that brilliant. It yeah. seems like it's not a complete paper. So I had a look. Like, what was the last thing they published on this topic? Oh yeah, I do. And it was very similar. To what I was no. reading this time around. So, so they're doubling up. <laughs> yes. So similar that several figures were duplicates. No. What? Ooh. That is terrible. Mm. Had they had they referenced you in the previous paper? Yes. Okay. Right. <laughs> so I've got those sites. You got those. That's fine. I was yeah, going to say, you can't knock away um, those sites, but that's that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's, that's a bummer. Yeah. And so I... Uh, Weighed it up. I mean, those five sites are pretty important to me. Yeah, and yeah. I'm a, I am completely anonymous as a reviewer. Yep, yep. So I could just let that through, and then I would be, have uh, no blame. I, yep. I really just win. Yeah. Whereas, yep, yep. Re- rejecting it, I kind of lose everything except my own moral standpoint, and maybe, I mean, the editor obviously didn't notice it. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask that. Who's job is it to make sure that they're not submitting duplicate work it's not yours as a reviewer i imagine is it the editor is that where the, the bucks i don't know off? they should have they should have some software certainly that'll pick up duplicate text yeah, yeah okay. duplicate figures i'm figures, not sure about that's a tough software one. probably is good enough but yeah. i guess they just don't do it yeah okay right i mean we've been picked up before with some of our articles for copy pasting from Google. Yeah, but this was this was th- these were papers where um, we were basically using a technique, and so we basically kind of regurgitated um, the method we did for yeah, that. Sh- shift F seven. It was it was our work, and yeah. the journal still said, "Oh, by the way, you know, you've got a few sentences that are the same." Yeah. But some journals obviously aren't aren't doing that. Yeah. So what, what, where do you go from now, Cameron? So in my review, I said. Some of the lines of uh, this work is actually very similar to the author's previous published work. Yeah. Give the reference. Yep. In fact, several figures are identical. And then I listed the like figure one is the same as figure two in the other paper. And yep. then there was about four in my list. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of thought, well, maybe they don't care. So I then wrote furthermore, and then the reason why I wouldn't accept it for publication anyway. Yeah. And then I said, based on the the duplication of the images, it can't be accepted yep. for publication. Yeah, yeah, fair yeah, enough. Perfect. Uh, and I later found out from the the edit, from so the editor sent like the results of the review. Yeah. And so mine was reject. 
The other person said, accept minor English revisions required. That's all they wrote. Wow. But the whole decision was reject. Oh, yeah. Good. So I guess the editor sided with me. Yeah, I mean, with with such a massive flaw, that was a bit of a no-brainer. But it's it's amazing to me that the other reviewer was accept with... But you said you found actual problems with the science as well. So forgetting the fact that they duplicated figures. Yep. What's going on with this peer review? Nothing. Peer review is rubbish. <laughs> You've heard it here. You've heard it here first. In a lot of instances, I think it is, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a clear example of where peer review falls down. I mean, General, Journal of Luminescence, Impact Factor 2.7. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you are asked to review that, you're kind of doing it for duty, like yeah. this academic citizenship. Yeah. Uh, but you're still, you still got to do it correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so that, that paper could have got let through. Mm. And then I also think the editor should have written something to me, I feel, saying thanks for finding that. Yeah. Don't you think? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a bit upset Absolutely. about that. Yeah. 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 I really for not did... making us look like idiots. Yeah. I really Because they would have looked absolutely foolish. Absolutely. Mm. But the problem is I think there's so many journals out there now that this sort of duplication I'm sure probably goes on more than, than people yeah, realize. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder and it's probably that. a tactic. It's a tactic Well, we can double up on the number of papers we've got Yeah. if we can just you know adjust things very slightly mm. and send it off to a journal that we don't think is going to yeah. review it correctly. Yeah. Little did they know. They Little came up did against they the, know. They came up against yeah. the, the CJS, the C-bomb. Good on you, Cameron. <laughs> yeah, so I hope that they don't, the authors don't figure out that it's me and they just keep submitting this thing and then I'll <laughs> yeah. get my five sites still and I keep my integrity. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I'll go. Uh, tell you what, guys. It's taken four months, but I'm starting to get too busy. That's <gasps> it. Too busy? Well, I say too busy. Yeah. I mean, like busy, busy. So are you busy. almost at to point eight, your uh, maximum working hours per week? I am almost at point eight. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's actually quite nice because I don't have the commute. I do write stuff. And now now I'm writing so much that I don't write for fun. I don't write for Andy Matter for the last two weeks, right? Ah. Because this is why a builder's house is never finished. Yeah. So anyway, so everything's going really well with that. I uh, Last Sunday, I was on a panel show with someone moderately famous yeah, called Charlie that. Pickering. Yeah. Holy um, shit. It went really well. So Charlie Pickering? He's yeah. proper famous. He's proper yeah. famous. Well, he's, now I'm famous, hold man. Hold on. You're on a panel show with him. Yeah. So he spoke to you and said yeah, things I to you? Yeah, I touched my hand. We hugged. There was like a little well, you know, hug. We had a photograph and pointed the same way and touched each other's backs. Okay. Is he the guy that has a TV um, show on ABC? Yeah, and correct. It's like a funny one. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Holy shit. National television show. Yeah. Wow. So Prime nas- time. Yeah, it was really good. So that was great. And so now I'm in this kind of like whoring out that. I'm being like, look how great I am. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Like, going back to that thing I said a few podcasts ago, which is get that on social media. Put the best things about that on social media. Raise your profile. Done. Yeah, this is the start of it, Cameron. It is. Suddenly, suddenly, suddenly it's going to be like, oh, Charlie, my mate. Yeah. yeah. And then look. you'll be mates with everyone from the panel. And then you'll be like mates with all these other celebrities. Yeah. And suddenly this podcast isn't going to mean as much anymore. No, well, right? it's just I'm going to bring the cocaine. <laughs> Um, oh, actually, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, done. Pursue your celebrity friends. Um, so, how yeah. close are you and Charlie Pickering to hugging without a camera being involved? Zero. Very, very <laughs> far away. As close as you are. <laughs> Another great thing that happened, and on the same day, is mm-hmm. a a bit of audio, 10 minutes of audio that I wrote, produced, put together, was released nationally in Australia oh. on a on a radio station called Radio National. Yeah, you can listen to that online, can't you? You can listen to it online, yep. Will the link still be active when this podcast goes Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Can you send me the web link? I can send you the web link. (laughs) Looking back on it, it's a bit dry, it's a bit rough, but it's very ABC. Yeah. You know, like, it's a great profile raiser for me, but it's not what I want to be known for, you know? like Um. So part of this is that when you put a piece of work out, they say, Dr. Andy Stapleton wrote this. Now, all of a sudden, people are getting in contact with me. I've had some really nice um, contact through Facebook and, and um, email. And then I had this weird uh, email. It says this. It's from, uh, I won't say their name. Dear Andy, I heard your podcast on Occam's Razor this morning about science communication, in the commas, mm-hmm. uh, And became so irritated that I had to send you this email. (laughs) 
So they've come out in a rash. Oh, they, yeah, to, that's right. Yeah. Listening to your part. I'm caustic <laughs> to their insides. But the last one, so I've got another two or three, and I've actually created my own separate folder in my emails, which is uh, hate mail. Oh. <laughs> I was, and I was saying to someone, I was like, uh, I was like, I've got hate mail. They were like, excellent. Like, you know, you, yeah, you know you're, you've brilliant. arrived. You've, you've arrived. This, yeah. is, this is your life yeah. now. You yeah. get a hate mail. Yeah. Look. I love it. I love being the center of attention. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Send me hate mail. I yeah. Uh, are we going to... Any hate mail from our listeners? Yeah. Send me to Andy. Andy. You wanna yeah. Give yeah. out your email address or just andymatter.net. Andymatter.net. Andy <laughs> at andymatter.net. Bring on the hate. <laughs> Bring on the hate. Well done, Andy. Yeah. There's a lot of achievements Thanks, within everybody. that. Thanks, everybody. Congratulations, lot. It's been man. a busy week, yeah. so yeah. it's going to be quiet now for the next few months. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now it's time for real news. <laughs> What we have here is so I want to actually talk about our graphene thickness paper. I don't know if you guys have been keeping an eye on it. No, I've, I've it's left that now world. gotten to three thousand downloads. Wow, which is mucho impressive. That is mucho oh, impressive. Thank you. Yeah, I've looked up a number of other articles that have but got just in case, hundreds of sites, and they're not at three thousand downloads. Just in case not everyone on our podcast speaks Spanish, what does that translate to? Mucho means uh, a lot or okay. or much. Much impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Much impressive. So uh, over three thousand downloads, and and I tell you what, they're not all me. They're not all me. There's actually other people doing it. Three thousand files of the same paper, and um, it's got nineteen sites on Google Scholar. It's got a few more recently, and it's it's already got fifteen for this year. Wow! And we're not even not even we, we're over halfway. Aren't just we? just about yeah. yeah. So I'm really really happy with that, and I'm gonna make. Uh, a prediction. Now, I've done this segment before, I'm pretty sure, where, it, where it's called Gibbo's Predictions. Oh, Gibbo, he looks into the future. Yeah, I like that. That's good. But I'm changing it to Falcon's Predictions. No, you're not. Because as everyone knows, no. my new nickname is Falcon. All right. Do you want me to do, a, do, me to do an intro for that? <laughs> it's like this. <laughs> Falcon's real name is T-Bag. Prediction. T-Bag's haunting me. Anyway. Um, and my prediction is, Falcon's prediction is that the graphene thickness paper will be the paper that brings me to my dream H index of 20. Ooh. It's the one. I've got a bunch of others that are closer to getting 20 And sites. they're just like dribbling away. They're just, they're just they're, yeah. you know, they're just sort of, maybe they'll make it. But I think because of the momentum behind graphene thickness, it's going to be the one. And do you think that Cameron should get... A portion of your H index. So when you reach twenty, you split it down the middle. Give Cameron some, and then mm. let it, me I mean, let me know. think about that. All right. No, <laughs> <laughs> that was quick. Yeah, wow, that was really quick. No, no, absolutely not. That's all mine. Uh, okay, now, now that's really all my bit of news. I've got a couple other things. Oh, oh no, no, here's one. Cameron's <laughs> rubbish science competition. I actually wrote down an acronym for this because I'm sick of saying that. So this competition is the CSRSC. CSRSC. The P-pop most relative scientist. Relevant. Most relevant. And the numbers for the competition are... Give it oh, to us, on. Gibbo. I haven't fucking written them down. Oh, perfect. Oh, oh, come on, Gibbo. Yeah, come on. Oh, okay. So, okay. I am at 1.45. Okay. You haven't gone up very much since the last time. Yeah, come on. No, I've gone up quite a bit. It was 1.3 something. Um, Cameron, I believe, is 1.98. Oh, Cameron. Why are you doing off memory? Why didn't you write down my score? And Andy, you're (laughs) 1.95. Oh, I'm really close. That is really, really close. Your problem, Cameron, was you got a paper accepted and came on Scopus. (laughs) So you went from 42 to 43. So that yeah. fucked you up, Andy. That's not going to be no, my problem yeah, anymore. No and I put ch- Andy on the graphene thickness paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're in trouble now. <laughs> oh my god! What? It's time for topic of the day. Ooh, that was, was good, wasn't it? That's was pretty good. Good, um, good night, sir. Thank you, thank you. Our topic for the day comes from the forum. And this is Mike. And did you see that Mike on the forum, he told me where I knew oh, him. Oh, yeah, we got some clues. Did yeah. you work out uh, who he is now? I, I, yep, I, I know exactly who he is. So um, as part of my first postdoc at Flinders Uni, I was part of a big collaboration with UQ. And I went up to UQ, University of Queensland, mm-hmm. a couple of times do some experiments in their nice fancy clean room. And Mike was there. 
he was a, a guy from Germany and he was working there as a postdoc and now he's back in, I think he's in California now. Okay. So, Mike, thank you very much. I'm pleased that we uh, you, you let me thank know. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike, where I know you Jeez. from. All right, Mike from the forum says, since you guys have done postdocs overseas in the UK and Germany... Cambridge! <laughs> That's your one. Maybe you could discuss the difference in the academic system and the advantages and disadvantages in your opinion. There's only one restriction. Chris is only allowed to say Cambridge once. Cambridge. All right, so this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> it's really gonna, hard for me not to say it. I'm sorry. I'm going to allow this, you. I'm really excited about this topic. I'm going to allow you <laughs> one Cambridge from now. The rest of the time, in the first one, and the rest of the Cambridges in post-production, I'm going to replace with fart noises. <laughs> Jesus. You have that power, don't you? I do have that power. Um, so, let's start with the non-boasty person. First of all, can you tell us, Cameron, where have you done a The non-boasty person. <laughs> Sorry, I zoned out for a second. <laughs> where, where, which institution and... How? Yeah, well, I guess I've done two postdocs, really. Uh, yep. The first one was at the University of Münster, or Münster. also known as Wilhelm's Westfälische Universität Münster. Ooh. Whoa, Whoa, you're so good. That's some foreign language speaking uh, right there. And so that's in Germany, yeah. uh, North Rhine-Westphalia, so near Cologne, Okay, I suppose, for anyone who doesn't know anything about Germany. Middle of Germany? No, that's the western side. Okay. Mm, very good. Uh, and they actually call it the north, but it's not really that far north there. They're Take it up with them, man. Yeah, they don't <laughs> They don't really understand maps, I don't think. <laughs> I don't know. They were very good at maps in, in the day. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, and so then I also, I guess, have done a series of postdocs at Flinders University. Yeah. How where, many? I, where I also happened to do my PhD. All right. So how many postdocs do you think you have done at Flinders? Like what... What counts as a postdoc in your eyes? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I was in Germany for two years, signed a yep. two-year contract. At Flinders, I've signed one two-year contract, one one-year contract, two three-month contracts, wow. and one six-month contract. Wow, wow. So you consider all those separate because they're different projects? Uh, it kind of depends. When okay. I write my CV, I kind of sometimes will say one of them's a different project depending if I want to say... I did industry research or not. Yeah, 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 fair enough. All right, Gibbo. Honestly, mate, you've got one. Use it wisely. All right, I will. I will. Where um, did you do a postdoc? So I've done five. Before I started Flinders, I did five postdocs. Shit. Yeah, so um, uh, two of those were at the same institution, but they were separated by a postdoc in between. So I would count those as separate postdocs. Okay, I see. So uh, I did one, two at Nottingham. Yep. Uh, one at Leeds, one at Birmingham, yep. and one at, I have, to, I have to really milk this one, one at Cambridge. Very good. Yeah. So, um, so all, you had, all in the UK. So, oh yeah, I was so, say. so my, my main, um, I can't really give any information on any other kind of academic system except for the UK and yep. except for okay. Australia. Well, really. and I mean, I, I never heard of any of those universities you went to. Which, which one's the most prestigious? <sighs> <laughs> You can say it. I can't wait to replace those with fart noises. Interesting. <laughs> I would have thought Nottinghamshire was more prestigious than what you just said. Nope, nope, nope. Not more than... <laughs> All right. The non-Oxford of England. So, Cameron, let's start with you. What What is different about the German system compared to... I mean, I guess let's say this... Let's go with compared to the Australian system. Okay. Some, I mean, I have I've only ever done postdocs here mm -hmm. in Australia. Yep. So what's what's different? So I think every university is probably run slightly differently. So I can really only say what happens at University Munster. of Munster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the, and then also just compare that to Flinders, which I think is quite typical for Australia. I would say so. Uh, yeah. And so the main difference that I came across was that the infrastructure at Munster uh, was less centralized. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean at Flinders, if I want access to an SEM instrument, I use the SEM that's owned by the university. And by SEM, you mean scanning electron microscope? Yep. So, or any instrument, there's kind of a centralized facility where those instruments are available. Yeah. Whereas 
in Germany, the instruments were owned by individual research groups. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. So yep. if I wanted to use a scanning electron microscope, we had to coordinate with another research group. There wasn't just an automatic centralized system for us to get access to these instruments. Now, do you think that makes science better, worse, or no different? Uh so I think so that the it makes it much harder to get access to. Mm. So that makes it worse. Yeah. Um, and then, so I think it's bad for the students that a lot of the students in the group never used it, never used that kind of instrument because it wasn't in their research group. Because it wasn't in their research group. Yeah. And so, what we did was we had one person then who schmoozied in and got <laughs> and was got uh, an invitation to be trained and then to use that instrument. And then yeah. they would do that for everyone in the group. That sounds like a great way to get on papers if you're that person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and so we kind of got a work around, but then like every time we needed a new equipment, we had to find out, okay, so who's the person who has this instrument yeah, and then who's the person who's most likely to like? What's our angle for for getting access? And yeah. so every time it was always just a hassle. So there's quite a bit of politics involved with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When but then because that research group is then like really uh, like they really care about the instrument. Mm, yeah, and so it means yeah. that the instrument's well well maintained. There's always someone who really knows how how to use it well. Yeah. Whereas with our centralized equipment. Sometimes some instruments don't get used. Sure. Some instruments aren't well maintained or the, the training available is poor. And it relies on people like Chris to maintain it, like lab managers and instrument. Uh, and so, so the, the instrument with the decentralized instruments. Um, and then secondly, the, the funding structure was a bit different as well. Okay. Um, in that, say here at, at in Germany, there was a every uh, professor their salary included the salary for a postdoc ah. and, it, and it included the salary for uh, PhD students. Yeah. And so f- they used that pool of money to, to there, were, there wasn't PhD scholarships to get the so that, supervisor had to pay for it out of this, this funding yeah. they got from the university. So that means that if you were, if you did a good job for a certain professor, they could decide to keep you on indefinitely. As long as they had a position, yep. you had a position. Yep. Oh, wow. That's um, I guess that brings me on to kind of a, a second point is that in Australia, a lot of people in our position or in my exposition, we did complain about the system. The system was weight was weighted against us. It was all about prestige, having money. Um, because of this, because of that funding structure, do you think people were happier or did they have a better, I don't know, job prospects or something? Like how did they view it? What was the what is it what is the chatter on the ground? Uh so I think just that I well, so I wasn't in the situation that I am in now when I was there. So I wasn't seeking a permanent position. Yeah. Uh, uh, instead I was happy to be on a just a two year contract. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, what it really meant was that when someone finished a PhD, it was that there was money already there to keep them going until they found a job. Okay. So a lot of the, wow, okay, right. so it's always hard to get a job. It always takes time, Yeah. but there was at least money there. So it could have just been like the continuation of their PhD money, yep. but they were mm-hmm. just getting used that to be paid as a research yep. researcher. Uh, and so they could then sustain them for the six months or so until they found a job. Yep. Whereas here at at Australia, that like it's much harder to get that yeah, kind that, of cash. That kind of bridging money just doesn't exist. Um, and so it really meant that like having the next contract wasn't such a, a way on people's minds as it is mm. here. I think mm. Mm. interesting. Gibbo, Cameron just sort of touched on it. The big difference for me between universities I worked at in the UK and Australia was funding. All the universities I worked at in the UK, they just seemed to have access to more money. So, for example, we had all of them, not just the prestigious ones. No, not just not just the, well, they were all prestigious. Oh, all, well, of course all, they. Uh, were. Well, I after think, having you, all there. in the top two hundred, I think for sure. Um, but yeah, probably not as uh, pre- prestigious as. <laughs> but um, they all seem to be able to get access to money a, a lot easier. So, for example, when I was at. Um, we had a situation where an AFM that we we're working on just broke down. 
Yeah. And so my boss was like, right, we've got to sort this out. Got to sort this out. We've got to get a new one. And within two weeks, they managed to get enough money together to buy a brand new multi-hundred-thousand-dollar instrument. Well, they just had that money laying around. He just went to a few other mates in Cambridge and said, look, we need to get some money together. We'll make it a, 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 a department-wide instrument that everyone yep. can use. But realistically, that was only two groups. And that, I mean, that just, had just it speeds things up so yeah. quickly. It was amazing, it? That, that sort of thing. And... And then there was another uh, couple of postdocs I did where they had um, nearly a million dollars just to spend on equipment, you know, and they were like, well, what should we do? And I was like, well, why don't you buy two AFMs? Ah, oh, we'll do that. <laughs> it just seemed to be more money. The other yeah. big difference was that um, the collaboration between industry and academia seemed uh, much closer. Well, I mean, somewhere like Cambridge, you you do hear about them with, with spin-off startup companies. That was and all common that. with three universities I worked all, at. Okay, right. So, so yes, you're right at the university you just mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> one of my supervisors was involved with at least two or three spin-offs. And the only the one disadvantage of that is they end up concentrating most of their time on that mm. because that's that's where the big money is. Yeah, if So they can sticks, earn quite yeah. a good lifestyle, you know, uh, being a, a professor at, at uh, one of these institutions. <laughs> but they can make so much more money from spin-off companies. There's yeah. a lot more industry closer at hand. I think so, I yeah. Say. Like, I mean, we're in Adelaide where there's not a lot of industry anyway. Maybe yeah. in Sydney or Melbourne it would feel different Maybe. than what it does here. Mm. But all these universities are located right near what they call science parks. You know, and and yeah. Um, well, we have a science park next to Flinders, but there's banks there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's just a little different. This, this, <laughs> the scale of science was different, and and um, so that was. And in fact, the the postdoc, the postdocs I did at Nottingham, all the academics were involved in a company called Molecular Profiles. Okay. And what they did was, so they did, we did a lot of surface analysis, but then they had another building at a science park near Nottingham University, mm. and it basically duplicated all the equipment in the main lab where they just did work for pharmaceutical companies. And I mean, and at that point, you can charge a lot oh, in consulting yeah. fees. That's where they were making and, all their money. Yeah, absolutely. That's and and the same was uh, when I worked in the physics department at Leeds. Uh, my boss there was consumed with his spin-off company. Yeah, and so, so they're, they're the big differences. I that mean, I like, found being. In a, in a group where you're already competing for attention from your supervisor or something, the fact that they've got all these other like things going on, does that make it good, bad? So one of the postdocs I did, I did, I did a few short-term ones. One of them was basically I could go to every meeting every fortnight and just tell them the same stuff because he had no idea what was going on what was actually happening mm. if i'd wanted to and yeah. a couple of, a couple of times i did i said look uh i did this this and this and then i was going to finish with but that's what i told you last time and his response was oh that's great so <laughs> carry on yeah but it was true like like they end up so consumed by it that um, it, it does that, it does affect their academic research plenty of supervisors without that is true spin-off companies <laughs> who you would <laughs> that, that easily is. show the same dot uh, point to and they'd love it yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's not a good example so i, I wasn't in a, a big group i was the only postdoc Oh, okay. Um, for most yeah. of the time in Germany, the very end. Did you one feel of the- powerful? Well, no, not really. Hmm. Um, I kind of feel like um, you can have a good postdoc or a bad postdoc, and it doesn't. Re- it won't like a good postdoc will help a PhD student, but a bad postdoc won't really like hold them back. Hmm. Whereas you really need a good supervisor. Um, a good postdoc can kind of counteract a bad supervisor, but they hmm. just yeah. can't do it like. They just don't have the same amount of power, and so postdocs are obviously helpful for for students. Yeah, um, but they're not the the be all and they can't be a suitable replacement. They don't have the power to sign off on a lot of stuff that the supervisor can. Yeah, okay, it's it's just limited. One thing I I was thinking the 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 other big differences I saw was was not necessarily just in the postdocs, but in the way that the PhDs were structured. Oh, okay. How how's that different? So so one thing that Flinders has just brought in is this time limit. Mm-hmm. Is it four years at the moment? Four or five years? Something like that? I can't remember. There isn't a time limit. <laughs> yeah. But they're bringing yeah. one in. Well, yeah, they, they get asked to hurry up after four years. So all wow. the places I worked at, um, which was a while ago now in the UK, they, they'd actually brought that sort of thing in. Mm. So, that, so at Nottingham, there was a, a five-year limit. Okay. That's, I, that's still quite I, long, isn't it? It I is mean, quite long, but I knew someone who nearly, who, oh. you know, had they had to keep the office open past five o'clock yeah. so they could get their thesis in and get it assessed because they were at the absolute limit of that yeah. time and they were pretty serious about it. Yeah. So um, the other thing is vivas. 
Ah, that's a massive so difference. The, the assessment for PhDs. The assessment for PhDs is, very, is different. So, so in the UK, everyone does a viva. So at yeah. the end of your PhD, you have to do, it's like an oral exam. I'm and sure we've talked about it before. And that can be just in front of a panel, but it's more common to be done in front of the whole department with the panel sat there. Is that how it works? In the UK, it's it's more uh, a small panel. You're okay. in a room. Yep. Um, they get grilled for a few hours and then, <sighs> and then usually it's over. Now in Germany, Cameron, it's quite different. Uh, it, sound, it sounds the same, actually. Oh, yeah. So the German postdocs I, I worked with said that um, they would have to give a public lecture. Yeah. And anyone can come along to that and anyone can ask oh, any questions okay. they yep. want. Yep, that's yep. what happens. And the the topic, they could ask them on any area. So if you do a PhD in physics, you can get a question on physics. Oh, God. Imagine any some area. asshole yeah. turning up and asking yeah. you So it's possible that questions. could happen. So, oh. so I think, and, and the other thing is the time period. So when I was at... Um, Can't um, wait to get rid of that one. <laughs> you could um, do your undergrad in three years and go straight into a PhD. Mm-hmm. So if you were 17 when you started your degree and you did your PhD in three years and you did your undergrad in three years, you could be 23 with a PhD from... And then you'd be doing a postdoc and you'd be doing a postdoc with a German who just finished their PhD and they're yeah. 35. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Oh, really? So we're not, not more not than 10 years. Yeah. Well, well, there it was a 10-year yeah, difference right. between some of the German postdocs we had who just finished. Wow. And so they would look at they would look at me, who was 28 with a PhD, or 29, and go, oh, you're young, never PhD. And then I'd have the, uh, the snot-nosed <laughs> students looking at me going, you're a bit old. You have a PhD, aren't you? Well, I can jump in here. Jump. Uh, so... I think that they do an extra year of high school. Okay. For one, I mean, their high school's just better as well. Yeah. And then they do their their undergraduate degree or diploma, they call it, which is three or four years. Okay. And then before the PhD, they need to do a master. Yeah. And so, I mean, at, at Moosta, the master is two years. And then there's a series of topics they do in that period. They do a six-month research project at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also do a few different like one-month research projects before that mm. um, and also during their bachelor they're also doing a research project and a thesis bloody hell yeah so they would have spent time in four or so research groups already before they start doing their master project yeah and i think that's really good because you need to you don't really know well at least i didn't really know what research actually meant until i just joined a group and then i'm there for a year right. yeah doing my honors yeah. Uh, and the, the PhD students from Germany were really the most knowledgeable students I've ever come across. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty amazing. Um, they, the they pretty much know too much because I think uh. you get to a point where you know a topic so well that you kind of see the holes in your yeah. argument, whereas a little bit when you're a little bit more naive, you can kind of just blase past some things. <laughs> yeah. You mean so the, the because, seeing like, the holes puts up a few barriers to progress or double guessing yourself? Or? Yeah. Well, okay. like you're seeing the holes or you, you know the scientific method so well that you do all these control experiments yeah. before you blast ahead, whereas someone who's new, they kind of just, just keep moving forward. And you're saying that's a good thing? It's a good thing for publications. Sure, yeah, right. Mm. Uh, but it's not a good thing for science. I think the publication rate in Germany is probably lesser than other countries in the world. Because yeah. they're more careful. But the quality, I would say, like you can really trust. Yeah. That's uh, when you were both doing postdocs overseas on the paper thing, did you feel a pressure to publish? Did the, the, the group like have a mandated amount or like what, what was that like? What was the publish? Uh, for me, the, the, you know, you'd always have a meeting at the start of a postdoc and yeah. the meeting would set out, you know, this is what the project's about and we're hoping to publish these number of papers. Ten papers and a year. And you'd finish sort of going, <gasps> and then after six months you realise... No and, one's And doing. you realise that your supervisor realises as well. It's that all it's probably It's not, it's just yeah. words. Um, but I, I would say that the pressure to publish is always there in science. It has to be. Hmm. But it's changed a lot over the years. Yeah. And I, I feel like... Probably so, since my time at Flinders, it feels like it's been ramped up even more. Yeah. Um, and, and that would be the same in the UK now as well. Mm. I think that's a worldwide phenomenon in science. Um, both of you are in, in Europe talking about publications. You get those from collaborations. Your proximity to other research groups is much, well, it's much, it's not geographically isolated like mm-hmm. it is in Australia. Did that play into any of your research? So I think that the, a few things that were a bit different for us. So uh, we had. Um, funding for, for an EU grant. Mm-hmm. And so an EU grant, the the workers have to be from like five different countries right. in the EU. 
And so there's already there was that collaboration going on and they kind of worked out like so we'll do this part, we'll do that part and it, it really worked quite well. Yep. Um, and being relatively close, you have the international collaboration and there was quite a few visits um, throughout that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing was that we would have, say, a speaker just to our own group meeting. So a speaker would come to speak to the seven, eight, nine of us and they would be a well-renowned researcher and then that from the, you know, from mm. Europe. And so I mean, that, that happens a little bit at Flinders now, but they mm. need to fly in and it's a bit more of an effort. But mostly the collaborations worked pretty much the same as they do here in that we might try something once, it goes away, it doesn't work, and then we give up. Mm. There's still, just because someone's close, it doesn't make you work the extra hours for a collaboration that might, yep. like, you, some, like once you start something, you kind of get a feeling straight away if it's worth the effort or not. Yep. Mm. It's yeah. just hard to tell someone that it's not worth the, the effort anymore. sixth sense. Oh, it's tingling. It's working. <laughs> so the other thing that I, I found a big advantage of working in the UK, and it goes to proximity as well to, to different things, was if we had problems with instruments, we could get the actual manufacturer was based oh, in, was it, in the yeah, UK. Right. So, they, so, so they, would, they could actually come out to us really, really quickly. Yeah, right. similar I found with chemicals. Like you, you put in an yeah. order for a chemical or you're asked for a quote and then I'll get, have a phone call 20 minutes later. Uh. Uh, asking yeah. for some more details. It, just the proximity to the companies yeah. makes a huge difference. Yeah, Australia is just that bit more remote. Now, Cameron, is there anything you'd like else you'd like to say about the differences in the academic system? Uh, yeah, so I think that I was just thinking before the I mentioned the funding kind of comes from the supervisor for their PhD students yep. and their master's students, and so it's quite different to at Flinders where the funding for the PhD student comes from the central scholarships. Okay. Uh, and so what mm. it means is that the student wins the scholarship and then they kind of choose their supervisor. And so the supervisor doesn't, hasn't really invested anything to get the student. And so the, the, the difference I saw in Germany where the, the supervisor had like a set amount of money for the PhD, like for PhD payments, mm-hmm. they weren't scholarships, it was like their salary, then that meant that they were like, an underperforming PhD student was a much bigger problem because right. they're paying their they're paying their scholarship. They're getting nothing out of. It. Sorry, I keep saying scholarship. They're paying their salary and they're getting nothing out of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that like it's wasted money and that money could be spent on a better student. Yeah. Uh, and so there was a situation when I was there when Ooh. an underperforming PhD student was told that they must meet certain goals by a set time or their money would be taken away. Wow. wow, that's a uh, bit brutal, but it really, I mean, it just makes sure that there's everyone's pulling their weight in yep, your group. Yep. Yeah, and uh, they did meet the goals and the money got taken away. Wow, that's that's really interesting. So that then that's the end of the PhD scholarship. Yeah, well, the, that's it. Their, their PhD was, was finished. Yeah, yeah. wow. Whoa, brutal. That brutal. Is, compared to the Australian system, definitely. Because oh, you, you can, can do fuck all you in can the limp Australian along system. For yeah. quite a long time. Yeah, and so, I mean, honestly, I think that's better for the supervisor to be actually invested in the yeah. project with some kind like some kind of financial incentive because I think that's what what is much more like mm. any moral incentive is outweighed by a financial incentive. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I know it's a while ago now, but do you feel as if uh, it all coming down to happiness? Like, was it happier in Germany or was it happier in Australia? Uh, I think the general happiness is about the same. Oh well, no. In the UK, I, I, I had a great time in the UK. Yeah, that's, that was your personal <laughs> that was, situation. Yeah. That wasn't because of the, <laughs> the structure. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't think. No, yeah. that really didn't have. That was more down to me. Our next section is science. This, where we use our transferable science skills to science the shit out of an everyday activity. And today, the science this topic is from the forum by A Bonilla. He says, "No, it's Bonilla." It is Bonilla. That's yep. right. Yes, that's the way we pronounce it. There's nothing like working from home or freelancing like Andy is doing now. Mm-hmm. Let's say that's the baseline. So he's given us, he's, he's calibrated us already. Yeah, yeah. Good, good yeah. scientific question. Thank I you. I like it. I like it. Then you've got living close to work, so commuting isn't so bad. Yeah. Mm. But what about that long distance commute to work specifically? Please science it. Mm-hmm. All right. So mm. we're sciencing. Long distance commutes. Long distance commutes. Okay. So, I, I mean, I've got friends who live 
100 kilometers from <gasps> from their workplace. So they have to do this long distance commute Shit. twice a day. All right. So I've got I've got the answer. Oh good. I've got the answer to this problem. So Teleportation. So then uh, Chris and I won't need to go. You won't do need to go. I'm going to solve okay. all of the problems here for you, Arnold. Um, here we go. So what Ooh. is it What is it about commuting? What makes it shit? Um, the time. The pollution. It's the time. I'm not going to do pollution this week. That's, I don't give a shit about <laughs> the earth this week, mate. Greenhouse effect. Don't give a shit about that. It's the time, right? It is. Now, you can't change time. We're scientists. We're not magicians. Well, Einstein would say that time's actually relative. You can. If, there's no way. And it, the problem is, right, with that is if the faster you move, the slower time goes for the external observer. Uh, observer. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden now your commute goes for decades. Is that the way it works? No. no okay. All the way, <laughs> all the way around. <laughs> anyway, so what it is, it's the time. All right. Now, <laughs> the time, you can't do anything about time. You can't make it go faster. But because the world goes at one second per second, uh-huh. all right, especially commutes. But what you can do. Especially jet, commutes. Especially go- commutes <laughs> go at one second per second. You heard me right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. What I'm doing is I want to change people's perception of that time. Well, okay. oh, I'm not gonna that's do a bit outside th- the box. Thank you. Yeah. yeah I know. I'm Drugs? Not- Almost. <laughs> I found a study. Okay. This study is from the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis. And it says temporal production signals in a word I can't say, cortex. Okay? You can't say it because it's rude? Peri- or you can- perietal? Oh, okay. You can't peri- pronounce it. Perietal? Perinitium. What would you say? Temporal? Temporal production signals. Yeah. Anyway, impact factor 9.797. So it's re- reputable. Wow. What yeah. was the journal name? This is uh, PLOS Biology. Ah, uh, okay. Oh. Yeah. All, right. All right. So this is I what they them. did. They took monkeys and they got them to perform tasks in which they moved their eyes between two dots on a screen. All right. And they were, they were trained. The dots moved every second. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what happened is, is that there were, so there was no external cues to help keep them track of time. It was just up to them, boom, to, to, to sort of switch gaze. Every second, right? After three months, the monkeys had learned to move their eyes between the two dots with an average interval of 1.003 seconds and as, as uh, low as 0.973 seconds. So their error bar for moving their eyes per mm. second yep. is really, really tight. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they've become metronomes. They've become monkey metronomes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so... What they, what they did then is they looked at the, what was going on in the brain and they looked at activity across 100 neurons in the, once again, big words, lateral intraparietal cortex. Uh-huh. I'm sure I get that wrong. And those are, those, that's the area so, so associated with eye movement. What they found is that the activity of these neurons decreased during the interval between each eye movement and the rate of decrease correlated with the monkey's timing. So what they've done is they've made a link between what's going on in that part of the brain and yep. the external, how, how the monkeys sort of perceive that externally. Okay. okay. All right. So yeah. what I want to do using this as my foundation, yep. stand on the shoulders of 9.797 in stand on factor. the shoulders of monkeys. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Is I'm, uh, you get on, imagine you go into your little commute, get on your train, sit down, then these things bore into your head, right? <laughs> or you just Lovely. have them. Yeah, you just have them there. I mean, you can get it done surg- surgically. But I'm thinking initially just a boring because, I mean, not many people are going to be up for this initially. Yeah. So bore it. Bore, it's done in public. <laughs> <Not many>. Sterilized. <laughs> and you, you, you go directly to those 100 neurons, right? Uh-huh. And what you do then is you fucking destroy them. <laughs> right? Just... Just yeah, drill away. Ah, ah, I mean, there's a bit of pain, but it will die mm-hmm. down quickly. And then what we and then use targeting those neurons, we can then change the perception of time. And yep. and, and those neurons, once destroyed, they they can't really be repaired well, again. Can what they? I think is maybe I won't destroy them a hundred percent, but yeah. I'll just immobilize them with like, like a lot of electricity. You block them. I'll block them. Thank you. You could yes. do that chemically, perhaps. 
I could do it chemically. Um, but it's not as exciting as boring no, look, drills I, into people's heads. That's it. So that was the first way. And then I thought, well, it's that's a bit boring. What else makes things past go quickly? It's when you're having fun or yeah. when you're doing tasks. Okay. Yeah. What I'm using is my commute time to do something productive. Okay. Okay. It still does a similar sort of thing as changes your perception of time because you're just occupied on something else. So we've got things like take your ironing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All Why right. not? Yeah. 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 Time always flies when you're ironing. (laughs) Or just don't bother doing ironing like I don't. Well, maybe this. Maybe you want to have a public bath. (laughs) (laughs) Some jungle fire. Jungle fire. (laughs) So a little bit of jungle fire. Why not? Fill out your taxes. Yeah. Yeah. Learn something. Yeah, Yeah, Arnold. These are the things you You should should be doing, mate. You should be learning, filling out your taxes, bathing, folding your clothes, ironing. Now, the problem is is that these can be a little bit boring if you're doing it every day. So the motivation to get you to do these things is a little tiny implant um, in your bum. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, your bum. Yeah, it has to be in Why the bum. Why does it have to be in your bum? Has to be. Let him finish. Yeah, come Sorry. on, mate. This is my size, this. <laughs> and when when you're commuting, when you're commuting and you're not doing these things, it hurts you. It ah. hurts your bum. <laughs> yeah. And that, gentlemen, is how Ooh. you science the commute. Wow. Well, there was some interesting stuff in there, <laughs> Andrew Stapleton, I have to say. <laughs> Was there any good then, Chris? Was that any good? Let, uh, I have to pass judgment when I, when I do my segment. <laughs> but I, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it. All right. Reserve. So as 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 usual, Andy and I have gone for quite similar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm pleased I went first. Trains of thought. And so I mentioned before my friends driving 100 kilometers or so. What they actually do is... Because there's a few of them driving 100 kilometers. They, uh. they just call each other and they talk on the phone for the whole commute. Is that safe? Well, it's, it's legal, hands-free. Hands-free, very good. Hands uh, free. And so that's how they pass the time. But I don't like talking on the phone for that long. Um, I, I barely mm. like talking for as long as it takes to record this podcast. Yeah, yeah that's true. Imagine doing that every morning. Yeah. yeah. No, you could no record thanks. it. Imagine if we did our podcast on the commute. Yeah, why are we sat still? It, we could be doing well, something. Shouldn't that be what people listen to on their commute? It's our podcast. They do. That'll make things go fucking much quicker. Well, that's one of the reasons for podcasts. Yeah, yeah. there you go. There you go, people. Everyone, Chris is amazed at the idea of listening to a podcast on the commute. <laughs> yeah, I am. This, gen- is this is genuine amazement. <laughs> I hear I hear people talking about this magical um, <laughs> thing, but I've never really understood it. Now I get it. You get it. All right. So I don't really have anything for if you have to drive. But I do have something for train. Okay. And mm. so at the moment, our trains, I mean, in, in Adelaide, there's not a lot of, not a great train system, but I think it's the same everywhere in the world where it's just chairs mostly. And you got to sit down yep. and wait until you reach your destination. Boring. There might be a dining car. Dining mm. car? What What era are you from? No, Titanic. that's rare these days. It yeah. Is. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, uh, living in Germany, there was always a dining car. Oh, oh wow. That's good. Uh, where you could go up and you could order a sandwich, and then you go back to your spot and <laughs> and eat it there. Your corner, <laughs> just sit. Uh, and so, what I want to create is I want to number one get more people taking the train to work, yep. because that's less greenhouse gases. And this week, I do care about the, <laughs> the good. The I'm climate. pleased one of us does, Cameron. I'm impressed. So more people on the train, but I'm going to make the train better. Good. So I'm going to ma- ask everyone and create the life train. The life, the life train. train. <laughs> so this is where you could is that spend- like the love train? <laughs> could be. <gasps> this is love where is you spend life. where the train has the facilities for everyone's entire life to that be held. Is, oh, on. I love it. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So we have a, a different cars or different carts. Is it, what's the right word? Carriage? Carriage car. Yeah. Mm. Uh, different carriages, different things. So we've got a gym carriage. Boring, never so going that. So on your hour to work, you could just be doing the gym. Yeah. So your That's gym is there. So you're not really... That's <laughs> why so I go in and I lift. <laughs> so you're not really wasting time there. Like yeah. your commute time is then used for just other things you do in your life. There's yeah. a movie carriage. Good. Um, everywhere has a... Like the seats have iPads. So like you're on a plane, you can yeah. watch Whoa. TV if you want. Um, is there an enema carriage? Yeah, of course. This is the life train. Everything. So there's a doctor's office Whoa. on the train. Oh, God. Uh, yes, I'd like this. There's a dentist. And so you can just get things done. You can a do dentist. It. I wouldn't want to have the dentist working on my mouth on the train. 
Sorry. It's uh, stabilised by pockets of air. Correct. So you'll be, you'll be safe. Uh, and so basically I, I turned the commute from a chore I love this. into a place to do chores or to do yeah. your general day-to-day things. You're not losing any of your leisure time. Yeah. Uh, it just becomes... You're doing what you normally do, but now you're mobile. Yeah, you happen to be going towards work. I wow. love that. That's wow. really good. Wow. Well done, Cameron. Yep, so that's how... It's more, uh, well, I'm more engineering it than sciencing it this week. But Engineering is science. Thank you. Yeah. Kind of. Then I've scienced yeah. it. Well done. Well done. Well done, guys. Well done. Well done. So as usual, <laughs> um, you've you've said some words yeah. and it's been pretty mediocre. Okay. I'm so pretty sorry. Pretty mediocre. I'm sorry, Gibbo. We, we try teabag. Don't, we try don't, don't apologize for being mediocre. We need mediocre so we know what excellence is. <laughs> and so are we going to get the whole talk about how you're not going to do some things and then you are going to do them by the end of it? <laughs> this, time, this time there is actually no... <laughs> That's what you I'm, say every know, fucking week. Re, 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 Gibsonites and listeners, I'm, I'm actually serious this time. There is no robots. No, no, I'm not taking over clones. the world this time. No clones, no Gibbo clones, no matter transported clones, anything like that. I yeah. don't believe you. And you but remember, there is. We already talked last week about working from home and some other things. Yep, yep, yep. No, no, no. This is, this is all new. So you're quite right about one thing. What is it about commuting that we all hate? And it's the time it takes. Now, the way I'm sciencing it, I'm getting there quicker. Good. Okay. Faster. Okay. Now, most people would go, oh, yeah, well, let's do the flying cars. Let's do the flying cars. I don't see any problem with that. Boring, boring, <laughs> boring, and unsafe. I don't trust people in two dimensions with their cars. Can you imagine? Like, would you feel more or less safe knowing that there are hundreds of vehicles do you know what, Gibbo? flying around up there above you that could if, fall on you any second. If you you were mean driving, like aeroplanes? <laughs> yeah. But there would be a lot more It'd if everyone had a flying car. Gibbo, Imagine that. If you were driving, I'd feel very safe. You're a very safe driver. I like it. Thank you, Andrew. Thank Cameron, you. you've never driven me anywhere, I don't think. Oh. Come on, mate. Drop me <laughs> home. <laughs> Let's repair that. Yeah. No. Um, so so instead of flying cars, we're going underground. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, you okay. Mean underground. You Tunnels mean, yeah. underground. The tube system. <laughs> like that. Yep. You would pull over onto the side, so, so it would have to be integrated into the normal no, normal traffic. Like driving. Yeah, okay. like, so like regular tunnels. You'd pull over into a parking space. That yep. parking space would then drop down Bzzz. and you, your car would then go into like a kind of big skate and that uh, skate would then cruise shing. through the tunnel. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about that is you could go basically as many levels down as you want. Until you get hot. Yeah, obviously there, there is there would <laughs> yeah, be a lower yeah. limit, but the, the number of levels you could go down would be would be huge, yeah. much more than you could go up. I'd what about say. places like here where there's lots of underground water? Ah, so you would have to, the, the the tunnels would have to be sealed against the water table. That's absolutely true, and that's about five or six atmospheres, I think, something like that. And the advantage of that is that once you seal a tunnel against the water table, you automatically make it um, susceptible to evacuating from air. So you could actually remove air and you would therefore have no air resistance as you're cruising ah, down. So hang on, you just hold your breath for the length of the journey? So cars would have to be adjusted slightly. You'd have to have a small <laughs> amount of air supply in your car. <laughs> Otherwise, you're right. The other thing you'd have to do, the other problem with that is the cost. It, yeah, the cost. The cost is it's billions of dollars, I think, just for a couple of miles. Yeah. So you would have to reduce the cross-sectional area of the tunnel so, just your, fit a car. so your car would just... Be able to fit. I don't think that's saving a lot of cost. It, it does actually. It does. It does. It does. It, it, the cross. It, I think it's, oh, is, it's, have you printed out the paper talking about the? No, this is all based cost? on a podcast that Elon Musk did. <laughs> I was going to say this sounds also like a lot, a lot like Hyperloop. I mean, I'm not claustrophobic, but I think yeah. if I was in a car and you're hurtling. just surrounded by mm. by Earth and it's hurtling, um, you know, under the underground, I think I would feel a bit. A bit nervous. Yeah, a bit nervous, yeah. So therefore, you would have to have... I would have some sort of virtual reality goggles. You put them on and you have a beautiful vista of the open... Do you know what mine would be? What would yours be? An anus? A sea of... Of Anuses. I would... So my goggles, (laughs) I'd put them on. Sorry, I thought that was funny. (laughs) I'd put them on and it would just be flesh-coloured ocean. (laughs) Oh my God. Why? So relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> Why not 
because you want the tunnels to be really thin or small. Lay to, down. The diameter not, to be to Yeah, be small. why not just have like little person-shaped tubes or coffins and then put Ooh. people in that underground. I, I don't in think- a coffin going underground. I, I, <laughs> hold on. Look, I think yes, the marketing too. Even better. <laughs> even better. You'd really need your virtual reality goggles then because you would, yeah. You get in your coffin, <laughs> your travel coffin. Travel yeah. coffin. And in fact, your that TC. would be even cheaper and even better. That's actually a better idea, Cameron. Music is provided by the awesome Adelaide-based band Boysrom. Please check out their stuff on their Bandcamp website. Thank you very much to Jared for putting everything together for yes, us. thank you. Uh, also, remember to subscribe to us on your favourite podcast app, like our Facebook page, join in the forum. AndyMatter.net. 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 And, once again, an important thing, leave us a review on wherever you get this delicious yes, podcast. Yes, Cameron, sponsor for the week. You were just listening to Publish, Perish or Podcast. It was brought to you by our future sponsor, the greatest university in the United Kingdom. University of... (laughs) I love it. Um, Final farewells. Goodbye from Falcon. Goodbye. See you later, teabag. See you later, camo. Bye. Bye from me. (laughs) 